Well, good morning. It is a great privilege to be here uh, on this day. There are uh, moments in our lives, aren't there, where uh, in our lives and in the life of a church, uh, where you just need to pause and to reflect and cause special attention to or call special attention to them. And today is one of those days in your church life and in the life of the Kazarowski family. And for me to be a part of it is humbling. Um, and, and I consider it a great, great honor and a great privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, as I reflected on our time together, I was thinking back on um, my relationship with Mike, and it started, um, I think, right around 98, 99, somewhere in there, when Mike was in elementary school, and Doug and Kim uh, Kazarowski, his parents, were going away somewhere, and they asked me, a single guy who was the middle school youth pastor, to come stay at their house with their three boys while they were away. They felt like that was a good decision. <laughs> Uh, so I remember sitting at their serving bar, their house in Solon, Ohio, helping Mike with his, I don't know, probably fourth grade homework. Um, that's how I met Mike. And over the course of time, I had the privilege to be uh, his youth pastor. I had the privilege of being able to watch him continue to grow as uh, a student and to grow as a man and to grow as a husband. Uh, I had the privilege of being able to marry uh, he and Sarah and be a part of their life in a lot of ways. Uh, more ways now as I just think and reflect back on those times. Uh, Phone calls with Mike through difficult times in ministry. Phone calls with a uh, search team from this church as they uh, wanted my thoughts on him as your youth pastor. The great privilege of being able to see him called and how proud I was of him to be called. And now that leads us to today. As you and Mike enter into a new season, a new season of ministry together. And as I reflected on this time and the privilege of being able to open the scriptures, there is a whole variety of things that could be said, and there's a variety of passages in the scriptures to which we could go, but I kept coming back to one. First um, uh, Thessalonians. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it up. First Thessalonians chapter 5, just two verses, verses 12 and 13. Of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Let me just read them for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. This morning, I would like to draw your attention to three things, three exhortations I have for your new pastor, and one for you as the congregation. First is this, out of uh, Paul, as he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, he says to them to respect those who first labor among you. The first thing for you, Mike, and for an expectation for you to, as a church to have for your new pastor is that he work hard. As he works hard and labors among you. Paul, typically, this is pretty typical for the Apostle Paul in his writings, he refers to the work of the ministry as planting and plowing and harvesting. It is sweat-inducing labor that he has in mind here. Paul often uses illustrations of farmers and soldiers and athletes to describe the kind of work that he has in mind for those who are in the ministry. So it's right for us at this time, in moments like these, 
to encourage Mike and his colleagues to work hard. C.H. Spurgeon once said of his own ministry, I work myself to death and pray myself alive again. A man must be careful because, unfortunately, the pastorate can be a place for a lazy man to hide. Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Mike, I long that your soul may be richly supplied, so therefore work hard. Give yourself with all diligence to the ministry. Now don't get me wrong, I I don't think you should work 80 hours a week. I I don't. Uh, You should be weary if Mike has an amazing golf game. Do you play golf, Mike? No. Okay, you're good. <laughs> the work isn't just because we want to work hard. The work is because we're driven by passion. It's the passion for the gospel. Those who achieve amazing things are those are most, most, most of them are not balanced people. They are passionate people. They are passionate about their life. They're passionate about their job. They're passionate about their families. They're passionate about their hobbies because they don't see their job as a job. They see it as a calling. They see it as a quest. They see it as a mission. This is what we are called to. That you will be able to lead. The Apostle Paul could hardly be someone who's described as balanced. No, he was a passionate person, driven by a passion for the gospel. John Wesley said, light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. (laughs) If we light ourselves on fire with passion for the gospel, then people will help, can't help but just go, what is it that drives this person? May that be said of you, Mike. First, out of this text, we recognize that you're laboring, that you labor for your people. Second, I want to encourage you to lead well. The Apostle Paul says that you respect those who are over you in the Lord. Paul is using this language, the language of watching over or guiding or shepherding. There are much, as many of you know, there's much written about leadership these days. You can, you can read John Maxwell or you can read a whole variety of different people in the secular world or in the, in the Christian world all about leadership. But there is something unique in this moment, Mike. I want to encourage you in this, that you are not, you are to lead your church. And there's a whole variety of great things that would help you as a leader. But more importantly, you are to lead your church in the mission that Jesus Christ gave his church. The most important thing you can do is lead your church with diligence and with passion into the, the mission that God has given his church. Let me remind you, friends, of our mission, if I may. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this to his apostles, to his followers. He says, but you will receive power before he ascends. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The church has been given this amazing mission. God has chosen the church to be his megaphone to sh- through which the gospel will go, f- go forth throughout the world. 
that you and I, we play in the grand story of God. We, we have a role that God has given us to play in the grand story, the grand narrative. Because at Pentecost, you see, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and enabled the apostles to speak other languages. They spilled out, and then the other people from all of the tribes and languages who were there gathered in Jerusalem heard the glories of God in their own language, and they were amazed that God used these people. These are Gentiles, and yet they're speaking in my language because at Pentecost, God gave them an appetizer of his United Nations plan. It was a look at what was to come. God said, let let me give you a taste of what the United Nations actually are going to look like. I will show you how black people and brown people and white people and Chinese people and English people and Swedes and Iranians and Iraqis and Pakistanis and Egyptians, how they will all be gathered together one day into this great and amazing company. Let me tell you how I'm going to do that. Jesus says, I'm going to do that because I am going to give you power. I am going to send my spirit and I'm going to give you power and you are going to go live out my mission. And when you do that, I will put together a great company that no one can imagine, that no one can count from every tongue and tribe and language. They will be gathered together and they will be praising God. In Revelation chapter seven, it says this. And and then this I looked, and before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing robe, white, white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all of the angels standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures, fell down on their faces before the throne and they worship God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is our future. This is where we're heading. Pentecost was an appetizer of what was to come. In the meantime, it's our race. In the meantime, it's our baton. In the meantime, this is our leg. Lead them. Lead them into this mission. Set before them. Remind them of the mission to which God has called. Lead them well into the mission of what is our future. Thirdly, is this. To preach boldly. Paul says... And to respect those who admonish you. Admonition is a strong word, but it's not a harsh word. It's not a negative word. It involves the necessary confrontation when needed. But it means that you are to put before them the people of God, the very word of God. We are to hold the word of God before your people, and you are to teach them with authority, and you are to confront them with what God has to say. I love the, the definition of preaching. At least that's what I think. Um, you have wise people here who could disagree with me if you like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul is writing, and he says, when I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming, I, proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Paul says, I didn't come with, with lofty speech or with great wisdom. That's not how I came. I came proclaiming the truth of God. I, I came proclaiming the testimony of God. 
that you are, Mike, to proclaim. The world needs preachers. The world... This isn't just job security. The church was birthed through preaching. The Spirit of God came, Acts 2, and what happened? Peter preached. You need preaching. You need someone who will feed you the Word of God. You need someone, not just, to, not just to give you information, but that God, by His Spirit, may use His Word for transformation in your life. And it is now upon the shoulders of your new lead pastor that He will present before you the glories and the majesties of the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way that you will be able to see the glory of God through the Scriptures by the Spirit of God in your life, and you will want to transform your life. You want to wrap your lives around this glorious gospel and think to yourself who wouldn't want to follow this Jesus who wouldn't want to do everything that he commands Mike hold the gospel up before the eyes and hearts of your people proclaim to them the very testimony of God because the gospel is all we have Jesus is all we have and Jesus is more than enough. It was George Whitfield, the famous preacher, who would preach to thousands of people without any amplification, just his voice. It was amazing. And the story is that one day he was preaching, and there was a man a couple rows back who fell asleep. George Whitfield noticed the man who fell asleep, and he paused in his sermon, and he did, and he did this. He goes, and shook the man. And he said, I meant to do that. I did. Because if I came in my name with my own message, that would be no problem. But I didn't come in my name. And I didn't come in my message. I came in the name of Jesus Christ and I came with the glorious gospel and I demand to be heard. Preach boldly, brother. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And to you, the church. Respect your pastor. Paul says, respect those who labor among you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. To you who are the church, who are the body, the people, the congregation. Respect and esteem, it means to acknowledge and to honor, to think highly of the person and work in the ministry. It means to prize or to value, to regard Mike because of his work, to respect him and to esteem him and to love him and to let your hearts be knit to him and to care about him and to be concerned for him and Sarah and for their family. Friends, hold Mike, your new pastor, in high regard. Respect him. Not because he's perfect, because he's not. Not because he will always do what you want him to do, because he won't. Not because you agree with every decision that he makes, because you will not. Not because every sermon that he preaches is a home run, because it won't be. Because some days, yeah. (laughs) But because this man has been called by God to give care for your souls. Because this man is going to be laboring in prayer for you and for your lives and for this church more than he can articulate and more than you will ever know. Because this man has been a man who will one day give an account for how he pastored your life and your souls. And that, my friends, is worthy of honor and is worthy of respect. So give it to him.
Mike, I want to say to you that I respect you, that I esteem you, that I honor you, and that I love you. I love your love for Jesus. I love your love for your family. I love your love for the Word of God. And I love your love for the ministry. Well done, brother. And now the next season begins. Let me pray. Father, for the privilege of being able to look at your word, for the privilege of being able to be reminded of who you are and what you call us to, the significant task of being your people, the wonderful privilege of being your people, we give you thanks. And Father, there is no such thing as a perfect pastor or a perfect church, but I do pray for Mike. And I pray for his leadership in this place. I pray for the many years that are ahead. I pray that you, by your spirit, will give him wisdom to know when to speak and when to listen. That you will give him great uh, integrity. That you will protect his heart. That you will be with him each and every step of the way. That you will draw him nearer to yourself. And on the hard days that he will remember your calling. And on the wonderful days that he will remember to praise you all the way. I pray for Sarah and for the children. Your hand of blessing upon them. Will you protect them? Will you care for them? Will you draw Mike's children to yourself that one day they will proclaim Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray it and I expect it and I long for it and I just ask that you will do it. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to be together and worship you this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.